You might remember Karen Gibb from a previous episode where she talked all about selling to schools. Today, I have invited her back onto the podcast, this time to talk about franchising. Karen has been on quite a journey in her franchising process. She's still on the journey, but she's now on the other side where she has started to onboard new franchisees. And I work with her and we're working through things like her training and everything like that. So I invited her along because a lot of you are thinking about how to grow your business, how to future-proof your business and the direction you want to go in. And I did have a recent conversation with a client who thought about franchising and was weighing up the pros and cons of franchising versus building a tutor team. So regardless of which position you're in, if growth is a topic of interest for you and it's an area that you want to hear more about, then you're going to love this episode. All the links that are useful and that I mention are in the show notes. Enjoy. Welcome to the Upgrade Your Education Business podcast. I'm your host, Samantha, and I'm so pleased you're here. As an education business owner myself and a former teacher, I understand the nuances that only apply to us. So in this podcast, I share fluff-free, tailored and actionable ideas that you can mould to suit your needs. If you'd like to take this conversation further, please do reach out. I would love to meet you. And finally, it would mean the world to me if you could leave a review. That way, you'll be helping me help more people. Thank you for tuning in. Enjoy. So welcome, Karen. It's so lovely to have you back on the podcast. I haven't actually had a guest for ages. And this time you're going to talk all about franchising, aren't you? Yep, yep. Something I didn't actually know about a couple of years ago. So thanks for having me back. Oh, it's a it's a pleasure. And it's yeah, it's amazing how quickly things change. Absolutely. Quite frightening, really. Can you believe we're halfway through the year? It's just incredible. Oh, oh gosh, we are, aren't we? We're in May. Oh, that's mad. I know. It was like January the other day. It's really it's so strange. It feels like January in Scotland. <laughs> oh, oh, yes. Uh, Scottish weather. Yeah, it's uh, it's winter all year round almost, isn't it? Absolutely. <laughs> so I'm going to I'm going to ask you a couple of questions, really, just about franchising, because I was talking to a client of mine and she wanted to specifically explore whether she should franchise. And it was a really interesting conversation because we explored franchising, but we also explored alternatives. And the idea she settled on was actually, I don't want to go through the hassle of franchising. I think I'd rather open up different branches for my tuition centre, hire branch managers. And of course, Mind Marvels, I'll let you explain a little bit about what Mind Marvels does, but that could have been an option for you. So I suppose my first big question is, could you tell us what Mind Marvels does and what made you actually decide to franchise instead of just hiring a team of people? It's a really good question. It's something I ask myself most days. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, in all seriousness, um, I'm a former teacher like you, Sam, and I quickly fell out of love with the classroom, loved working with the kids, but wanted to do something on my own terms. And that's where Mind Marvels came into fruition back in 2019. So really, Mind Marvels explore inner cam with children in schools and nurseries. So primary schools mostly and nurseries as well. So we do mindfulness techniques, breathing, positive affirmations with children to really build the resilience and self-esteem. So... It's been going really, really well. And I think like everyone during the pandemic kind of had that moment where I was like, what can I do next? 
Now, my mother had a children's nursery um, many years ago, and I knew that staffing was always a huge stress factor, a huge issue, um, especially on her own well-being. And, you know, I'm not not to be put off by that. And of course, if staffing, you know, having staff works for you, that's great. But for me, it was just, I just didn't foresee it as a way that I wanted to grow the business. So I'd heard about my, I'd heard about franchising before, and I was really curious about what it was and actually I thought it was a bit of a pyramid scheme if I'm totally honest Um, I didn't really understand it but I decided to franchise because I was looking for a way where I could potentially at some point step back away slightly from the business and allow other people to deliver sessions in their own area and what's really great about franchising is that you don't need to be local to that person. They can run their own sort of fra- mini franchise, if you like, in their area um, of your brand. Yeah, I mean, that's a really good point, actually, about the recruitment aspect. There is always a degree of instability, I suppose, that comes with the territory. Mm-hmm. Whereas with franchising, people are running their own mini business, if you like. It's like you opening a branch of McDonald's or Subway or something like that. And it's in your interest to make it work. Absolutely. So, yeah, so that that does make a lot of sense, actually. And w- when you decided to, to franchise, I want to ask what you did to actually prepare. And I don't mean the legal stuff and the speaking, you know, the contracts, but what did you do to prepare your business? Because I, when I read, is it the E-Myth revisited or busted I always forget whether it's revisited or busted is it which one is it it's behind me it's it's one of them but it's a fantastic book even though I can't remember the title and one of the really great pieces of advice I think he gives is he says that you should treat your business as though it's a franchise even if you have no intention of franchising it Mm -hmm. so you should create manuals for everything everything should be as systemized as possible And so, you know, I have an idea of doing stuff like that. But when I think about the possibility of franchising my business, it feels like, I suppose in my head, I imagine McDonald's, where you don't need to know how to make a burger, you just need to know how to press the button. And everything is so systemized. So how did you prepare your business for it without losing that essence of Mind Marvel's? It was really, really difficult. And I'd say to people that franchising is not an easy road at all. Um, and I'd say that it's a continuous learning journey, as as most things in life are. But really, I had to step away from handwritten session plans and little post-it notes and things that made sense to me. Because all of a sudden, I was reading things from an outsider's point of view and thinking, well, what does that mean if you're not me? So it was really taking apart the business and starting from scratch. So looking at things like session plans, resources, could you buy them in bulk? You know, if you're making your own, can you distribute them out to potential franchisees? Um, even, even things like uniform, I had a uniform before, but it was by a local provider and I had to get a universal, you know, a kind of universal UK wide provider of the uniform. So just little things that are great for you as one person in your business, but actually when you're trying to replicate that, it's the tiny little details that can make the biggest impact on being a successful franchise. So, so with your, with your sessions, when you go into schools, you have a session plan and that's what you follow. It's got a structure. So when you were preparing the business to franchise, did you feel like you had to compromise on any elements of where you bring, you know, your magic touch 
to those sessions. How did you mitigate that? Because, you know, I know I felt this and I speak to clients who face this when they're even thinking about hiring a VA, they struggle letting go of control. And, but this is the way I do it and no one's going to do it the way I do it. So how do you get over that kind of mindset monkey, if you like, of, I don't know, letting go of control, but having enough control. So you're not micromanaging either. How do you tackle that? It's really difficult and we do get in our heads a lot about, oh, I'm the only person that can do this. It's a kind of weird dynamic that goes on inside our heads because actually, in the nicest way possible, how special are we to think that we are the only person in the world? And I include myself in this. I've had these thoughts before that can deliver this. But what I'd say is so important is the people that you bring on board. And Mm. I know working with you, Sam, that we've been really specific about the type of person that would be a good franchisee. And for me, it's somebody that has that well-being interest, that looks, is interested in their own mindset, their own business, um, and really, and really propelling that forward. So you're right. I have to be honest, those kind of, that mindset doesn't always go away, but I think when you create something that can be replicated by yeah. the right people, that's where it makes a difference. Um, and that's that's what makes it quite special when you take, bring the right people on board to do that for you. Yeah, you reminded me actually of a conversation that we did have. We, we've talked a lot about language, haven't we, as we've created, you know, information packs and the copy for your website and stuff like that. And one of the things that we talked about, I remember a while ago, was how this isn't something where you're saying, please come and be a franchisee. This is something where you're saying, let's have a chat. And if you're right, then I'll invite you to be a franchisee. And I think that subtle shift is what sets that tone of making sure it's the right people that are coming in, right? Yeah, definitely. And I would much rather perhaps not have someone come on board. And that has happened in the past because I've tried to trust my gut and my intuition more. But I think at the start, people get a bit swept away and, you know, potentially earning money. And let's be honest, money does help us pay our mortgages. But for me, it's about getting the right people on board early because I think a lot of franchises, especially in the early days, and again, I don't blame them. It's just because money is tight is that people get, you know, a lot of franchises on board to begin with and they're not necessarily right for the franchise. And for me, that's worse than having a resource that needs to be slightly tweaked for someone else to deliver it because when you go into a franchise, you have a contract that could be one year, three years, five years with that franchise. So it's really important that you're both the right fit. And again, sometimes it's difficult knowing if you're the right fit. And that's yeah. where your gut, your intuition and having that specific criteria comes in handy. Something you just said was how when you've just started getting as many franchisees through the door feels like the priority and it's quite hard to then trust your intuition and say no essentially to someone. Mm-hmm. just want to touch on that actually because I think that's a mindset that we all have as business owners. It's really hard to say no to a client even though we know that this, this relationship isn't going to be great, I'm not going to enjoy working with them because we don't want to say no to the money. We're afraid of saying no to the money. So I want to ask you, so I know from working with you that setting up a franchise costs a lot of money. 
Yeah. You know, you you can't, there's no um, free way or easy way to really get through that. It does cost money. And of course, you're then spending quite a lot of money before you can even start earning any of it back. How did you hold your nerve? Because, you know, you are the most, I don't know what the word is, educated? I don't know. You you are the person, if I wanted a resource on something, if I wanted a recommendation of a podcast or a course, I would come to you because you are so good at investing in yourself and investing in your business. So when you're in a position where you're spending this money, this is a bit scary, you're launching this new thing, how do you hold your nerve to say no? That's a really good question. Um, I think it's probably come from a good couple of years in my 20s of being afraid of things that's actually propelled me forward into saying yes and 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 to not questioning things too much and trying to trust my gut don't get me wrong there's still plenty of days where I do struggle um but I've been really fortunate in Scotland that we do get good business funding in the right postcode areas so although things have cost a lot of money I probably would say it's perhaps cost me 50% less than it would if I lived in England or Wales so I've had government funding up here and I've also kind of pushed myself through the mindset. But for me, I think it's about looking forward and creating the future that I want. So in, you know, two, three, five, ten years, I don't necessarily want to be working in schools, but I'd like a more um, sort of office approach to working where perhaps I have a family and I'm sort of building that future in my head. So I feel like right now when I have less commitments, that's probably the best time to build this business into the successful franchise that it will be. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, it already is in my eyes. I mean, that's something you said that I think is really valuable about how you're creating the future that you want. I think I put something up on Instagram two days ago and it was something like, here are your Sunday reminders. And one of them was that, you're probably transacting your time for money. That, mm-hmm. That's okay. You know, you've got loads of time to develop your business, but enjoy the journey. And the reason I thought of it is because sometimes what I do is I put a lot of pressure on myself. I'm like, oh gosh, this isn't sustainable. Look how many one-to-ones I'm doing and how I can't keep doing this. But then I have to remind myself that I'm, these are stepping stones towards where I want to be. I'm not going to just get there because I decided I wanted to get there. These are just stepping stones. And so this isn't me just, you know, working for now. This is actually an investment in the future. But also I think there has to be this element of, but do I enjoy it? Checking in with whether you enjoy it. Because I've had people have asked me, why do you still kind of tutor so much? I, I really enjoy it. It may not make perfect business sense for some people because it's like, well, surely if you free up that time, you can take on more business mentoring and all of this. But I enjoy it, too. And I think there's got to be a a little bit of an element of that. But when you're working towards that future, it makes what you're doing now so much more valuable rather than being down on yourself thinking, oh, I'm not working the way I want to be working forever. This isn't my ultimate business. Definitely. And even when I speak to people that are looking to join the franchise, a lot of them are saying, I want to build teams, I want to eventually manage a team. So I think everyone is looking for that future self, but they're trying to find those stepping stones to get there. And there's no right or wrong way. And some people might want to be a tutor the rest of their days. And again, that's that's absolutely fine. Um, And I think sometimes that's quite healthy to still be in education, but also directly working with the young people. 
Um, but for me, it's about probably having that clear vision of where I want to go and coming back to the franchises that come on board and, and what we said earlier about replicating what I do, a lot of that comes down to trust with people. You know, you have to trust the people you come on board with aren't going to go into a classroom and start doing their own thing and ignoring the, the session plans. And, you know, I've been very fortunate that actually the people on board are fantastic and, and are able to adapt really easily by reading a session plan. So, yeah, a lot of trust is in franchising, but I think I have a lot of trust in people anyway. So it seems natural to me to pass that baton on to the right people. Yeah, a word that you've said a few times in, is intuition. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've said about following your gut. And I think that's really valuable because I think ultimately you can put all the checks in place. And this is whether you're franchising, recruiting, whether you are even saying yes or no to a new client. You can put all the checks in place and ask all the right question questions. But there is this that that little moment, that little niggle that you can't replace, you can't systemize it, you can't checkbox it. It is your intuition and you need to to follow that. And I know you and I have had some conversations where you've almost been afraid to trust your intuition. And then you're like, no, actually, that's exactly what I thought. I don't think I do want to work with that person or, you know, and has that been a really big part of this process for you in terms of holding your nerve while you're spending all that money and investment before you even bring on a first franchisee? Yeah, definitely. Um, And it's not easy to trust your gut. It really isn't easy. Um, so it's not something I do lightly. In fact, I'm when I have big decisions to make, I usually sit on them and you know yeah. go between. But I think as I go further on in this franchising journey, it will become easier. And a lot of the w- more well-established franchises always say to me, you know, you'll know, like you'll just get to know the type of people. But equally, a lot of them have said, oh, we brought people on we weren't sure about and they've been fantastic. And we brought people on that were <laughs> be fantastic. Just to and confuse it. <laughs> yeah. So I think, yeah, it's a bit of intuition and sometimes a bit of going, mm, do you know what? I'm going to place my trust in this person. Yeah. So again, it's that trust and intuition together, hopefully make a good blend yeah. of the right franchisee. <laughs> and actually it circles back to what you said earlier about how recruitment can be a real kind of headache. Yeah. And with the franchise agreement, with the with the kind of relationship that you're putting in place, in a lot of ways you're protected because it's that person's investment. It's in their interest to make it work. Legally, you're both kind of covered. So in some ways, franchising, yes, it's yes, it's a big expense. Yes, it's a big process. Yes, it's really hard work to get to the point where you're even ready to take someone on board. But there's a huge safety net there for both parties, really, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and that's why the legal part is so important. It's very boring, <laughs> but it's very essential. And and I do know my my legal sort of agreement inside out now. And again, that's something I've had to go back and forth with my solicitor yeah. about. What does this jargon mean? What does this mean? But it's really important to know it because it protects you and the franchisee as well. And, you know, I'm not here to trip anyone up or to make unreasonable demands. It is about what's best for the franchisees, me as a franchisor, but also the brand as well. You've got a team of people there that you need to protect as well. So it is really important to know the agreement and uh, yeah, get to grips with it, as uh, boring as it might seem. (laughs) Well, also to enforce it, I mean, you know, every business, big or small, 
you, they've got some kind of terms and conditions and if they don't they should yeah um it sets a tone and sometimes you know when I am mentoring people and they're in funny situations like oh my income's really unstable because I get a lot of cancellations my first question is do you have terms and conditions mm-hmm. nine times out of ten they say they do and my next question is why aren't you enforcing it and so it's not just important to know your terms and conditions or your agreement inside and out it's it's having the confidence to enforce it when you need to that's the tough that's the really tough part isn't it yeah and and to know that you're not everyone's best friend I mean you're not anyone's it's a weird dynamic the franchise fan the franchisor who's me and the franchisee who's a person that's taking on the franchise because you're not their boss you're not friends you're kind of like team members like but they look to you for guidance so it's a bit of a yeah. it's a bit of an odd relationship they have a completely separate limited company and they run your sessions under their own limited company um with guidance from you so it is a it has to be a great working relationship has for that to be. To succeed. yeah yeah it really does I never thought about that dynamic actually mm-hmm. and you know I there, there might be some people listening who are thinking maybe in the future or even now they really would like to think about franchising you have been through such a journey you're still going through it but I've I've seen the journey you've been through (laughs) it it is never end but but you know we all go through that yeah it's a learning journey but you've been through quite a journey to get to the point where you are I mean I the reason I said earlier is that in my eyes your franchise is successful is because firstly you have franchisees but Mm -hmm. also because you're the kind of person who can adapt really fast And so when someone asks a question, you know when to hold your ground and when to say, well, actually, let me go away and think about that. And you haven't been afraid of changing your agreement or of changing the wording or putting resources in place. And so that's why, to me, your franchise is totally successful because of how you run it. And this is this is a Karen Gibb thing. This is a this is a bit of magic that I think you've got. Um, But because I want to ask you this question, because you've been on this journey, what have been your top challenges that in hindsight you may have done differently or maybe you wouldn't have done anything differently, but it was just a challenge that you wish you had known, mm-hmm. had a heads up about before you embarked on this? Probably how long it took to actually franchise. So, you know, as, as much as I've, I'm very go-getter, there was, there was definitely a part of me that held back from just franchising, you know, and, and learning as I go. It was like, no, I have to have the operations manual ready. I have to have X, Y, Z ready. But the truth is, once you start, you go, oh, this doesn't work. This needs adapted. This needs enhanced. So you're better just to get out there, get started, get your you know first franchisee on board and then do that journey together. Because if they know you're, they're your first franchisee, they'll be understanding that things are still very much fluid and that change is inevitable and and will be let's be honest for the next couple of years and beyond there it's like things will always change and people will come in with ideas for resources or session plans and it's about just listening to franchisees and saying oh yeah we could do that then um so I don't really have any regrets I just wish I'd started it sooner and been a bit bolder with my decisions sometimes rather than going oh need a couple of days to think about it yeah. um, but I think I'm getting there and it's just getting that confidence to keep going as well yeah and you're absolutely right I mean because 
you know, you and I, we've been working on things like the training and the reason why it feels so good, like your training feels really strong and robust is because it's been informed by real life scenarios. This isn't theoretical anymore. Mm -hmm. And, And that has a huge foundation, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. But I would, you know, also caveat that your experience with, you know, I think you were in the business training field before as well has really helped because (laughs) actually when you know how to do something for yourself, it can be quite hard to train other people without maybe a bit of knowledge or a bit of help along the way. And that's something I'm trying to establish is, is becoming more robust with the training and you know, we are getting there now, definitely. <laughs> we are, yeah. Yeah, but just having an opportunity to test it live and to to be informed by certain struggles and, yeah. you know, all of that is so useful. And you, your advice of just going for it, having enough place to be able to safely just go for it, I think is really strong advice because that's where you're going to produce excellent resources and training and support because you're going to actually see what works and what doesn't yeah. rather than basing it on assumptions. Mm-hmm. Um, so Karen, you've, you, I mean, you've given me so much of your time already. I just have kind of one last question, really. If someone is thinking about franchising and they are in that place that you were in where you were like, oh, I don't know, I wish I'd, you know, and you're saying, I wish I'd been a bit bolder. What advice would you give them or what would you say to them that might help them just make that decision that they feel really comfortable with? Mm -hmm. I would say as long as you've not got a really specific niche or sort of bizarre skill set that nobody else in the world can have. Like, you know, if you're a record holder in something, that's probably holding your breath or something. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's probably not going to be franchisable. Um, I suppose it's weighing up. There's also pros and cons to licensing versus franchising. Now that's a whole different conversation, but that's more of an option that I see tutors and, and that sort of industry taking is, is having a license model. So it's really just doing your pros and cons there and what works best. Is it licensing, franchising, or growing your own team? Don't really have any specific advice, I guess, but it would just be just just go for it. Whatever you decide, you know, obviously with caution, don't just throw money out there and there is a lot of sharks in the franchising world that will take you know thousands and thousands of pounds from you for doing very little so do your due due diligence I'll say I'll say it for you (laughs) (laughs) difficult with Scottish accent (laughs) yeah do your market research and you know reach out anytime I'm I'm so happy to help I really do believe in good karma and oh that's lovely support that's lovely. Karen, if anyone is thinking about joining Mind Marvels um, as a franchisee or would like to inquire about it, where should they go? Really easy. We're Mind Marvels on all social media, but come download a franchise pack at mindmarvelsfranchise.com or pop me a DM. That's absolutely fine. <laughs> lovely. Thank you, Karen. I'll pop that link in the show notes as well for people. Karen, thanks again for your time, for coming on for a second time. I wonder, if you're, I wonder if you're going to be the record holder who I, who I have on the podcast the most amount of times. Um, I probably will have you back. So, Karen, thank you so much again. Thanks for sharing all of your wisdom. And I'm looking forward to probably having you back on soon again. Thank you. I look forward to it too. <laughs> Would you like to take this discussion further? Perhaps you have some questions or you'd like more ideas on tailoring your business. If so, book a free discovery call through the link in the show notes.